0: Are you spending so much time marketing your business that you forget to prospect for your business? In this episode of the Savvy Agent Podcast, we dig in to find the difference and how you can find a good balance between the two. Welcome to the Savvy Agent Podcast, where we help real estate agents build a thriving business so they have financial freedom in their life without having to work 24-7. I'm your host, Heather Wright. Now let's get to it. I've had a lot of conversations about the difference between marketing and prospecting. And before I give you what I think about these topics... I thought I would get a very clear definition from our friends at merriamwebster.com. Marketing is defined as the action or business of promoting and selling products or services, including market research and advertising. Prospecting is defined as look out for, search for. I mean, there was also some mention about prospecting for gold. So uh, because that was pretty short, I expanded my search and Shopify encyclopedia says prospecting is the first step in the sales process, which consists of identifying potential customers, AKA prospects. The goal of prospecting is to develop a database of likely customers and then systematically communicate with them in the hopes of converting them from potential customer to current customer. So then my thoughts on that are that marketing is more of a spray and pray situation. You can have targeted marketing, of course, with your message or your ad strategies, but it's not going to one specific person you don't know exactly who is going to see the message. Whereas prospecting is when you know the person that you're emailing, calling, et cetera. And it's not even that you know them personally, but rather you know who you're trying to contact. You have contact information. It's very specific who your message is for. Can you build a successful real estate business by marketing only? Never any prospecting? I suppose. I mean, anything's possible but it does seem like that would be doing things the hard way. Now you might be thinking sometimes prospecting feels like it's the hard way. And I get that traditional prospecting would include Fizbo's and expireds circle dialing or cold calling is also prospecting knocking on doors. Ugh. while these are totally valid methods of prospecting, they're not my favorite. Actually, I hate all of them. Now, I don't currently do any of these things. And I also know that you should never say never, but right now I never (laughs) do any telemarketing or knocking on doors. It's not my jam. I think these are dated methods. They're old school, if you will. Personally, I have a more passive approach to prospecting and it's served me well. I stay in touch with my past clients using a combination of systems and automations and rarely do those result in a phone call to anyone. You could also get a subscription to a software that tries to predict who in your database is going to want to buy or sell next. I'm at Remax and we have an app you can subscribe to called first.io. A lot of people have had success with that. I didn't, but I'm also thinking about maybe subscribing to it for a year and having my ISA work on it because I mean, I could use some more listings. And so if it made the hunt for my next seller a little bit easier, I'm all for that. But overall, my thoughts are it's 2022. Who really wants to take a phone call from the realtor? I mean, maybe somebody who's waiting for the call that you got the contract. But nobody wants to take a phone call from their realtor to talk about Ford. How's your family? How's your job? Oh, do you have any vacations planned this summer? Oh, by any chance, do you have anyone who wants to buy or sell? and Or maybe you have a referral for me. Like that's a pretty self-serving phone call. That's not really serving your client. That's serving you. And I don't want to make that phone call. And I don't want to receive that phone call. So that's why I choose not to do it. Now, also I recognize that we are all independent contractors and we are all able to create the business we want to work in. So if that is something that works well for you, more power to you. It does not work for me, which is why I don't do it, which is why I make snide remarks on my podcast about it, (laughs) but I totally respect the person that tries it and it does work for them. Traditional marketing would be your billboard ads, bus bench ads, ads in the newspaper or local magazines. Those are also kind of old school marketing methods and sometimes are quite expensive. With the digital age, we have a lot more options and flexibility with online marketing. And sometimes we can be even more targeted than you can get with the old school traditional marketing. For example, if you buy a billboard, a bus bench, newspaper, magazine ad, it's kind of all or nothing. You get that spot and the sales rep will tell you the reach of that particular spot for a billboard or a bus bench. They probably know the traffic patterns, how many cars drive by each day on average, and how many people are in the car on average. So they're going to sell you on a reach of thousands, huge, huge reach. And so sometimes that price is also kind of huge to match the reach that you're reportedly getting from that spot. Print advertising is similar. I used to work in a newspaper and they of course know their circulation numbers, how many subscribers they deliver to, plus how many papers are at convenience stores and other locations in your city. And then they figure that every paper reaches X number of people. When I worked there like 15 years ago, I think it was 2.4 people per newspaper are reached I remember them explaining that as well. One paper goes to one household and more than one person on average, like however many people live in a house on average, there's probably two newspaper readers there. And then they might take the paper to work and leave the paper on the break room table. And then how many other people are reading it from that? So, you know, it's almost worse than the Facebook algorithm. It's like a fake algorithm (laughs) because it's, it's based on assumptions, not on actual fact, but anyway, that's, that's how they do that. So the reach isn't easily tracked because of how these companies track it. However, with the digital age that we're in, we can also advertise on social media, YouTube, Google ads. There's a lot of ways we can advertise. Some platforms are easy to use, like Facebook. Some aren't so easy to use. I'm talking to you, Google. I find their platform to be really challenging. And now that I think about it, with all the iOS privacy changes, it's possible the reach on these ad platforms are also not exact. Like They may not have reports on everybody that you're actually getting because it's somehow being kept private by the iOS changes. So maybe the exact reach for a marketing ad is just not a reasonable request. Regardless, advertising on these digital platforms gives you a lot more control over your budget. For a fraction of the cost of a billboard, you can run an ad for $5 a day for a month or $50 a day for a month. That might still be less than a billboard in a major city. You can evaluate your marketing collateral, the images, the copy, the call to action, and adjust them on the fly. That can't be easy to do once your ad has already printed and is in the newspaper. I mean, a newspaper only lasts for like a day. If it's in a magazine, sure, that ad lasts for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, but you can't change it. So, you know, it's just kind of all or nothing and you can't make any changes if you figure out after the fact, oh, I should have done this differently. Anyway, I could go on and on about the merits of digital marketing versus old school, but that's not actually what this podcast is about. Get it together, Heather. Okay. So you also don't need to pay for marketing with social media. You can have organic marketing. I think a lot of people look at organic marketing on social media as like the magic pill. If I just get enough followers on whatever platform, this is going to be it, but that's not really how it works. I would argue that that's actually not a great way to build your business. For example, I've noticed that my Facebook business page shows my posts to about 10% of my followers, roughly some posts do better. Some posts do worse and die on the vine. I use social media for top of mind awareness, but I want to keep my past clients closer than that. I don't want to rely on the fact that the people I know that I already have a relationship with, I don't want them to only see me on social media to remember me. I want to be in their email box. I want lots of other ways for them to remember that I exist because they probably know a lot of realtors. So I need top of mind awareness and social media is one way that you can accomplish that. But if your posts are only being seen by about 10% of your followers, well, how many posts do you have to do to make sure that your past clients, your sphere of influence, the people that you already know and have an existing relationship with, how many posts do you actually have to do for them to like cognizantly be aware? Oh, Heather is my favorite realtor. I should give this referral to Heather. I, I would think that that would be a lot of posts for that. Now, YouTube videos are a different beast. You can make your video, do your keyword research, and it's possible you won't get many views. Or if you do get views, they don't necessarily translate to clients or deals. You know, I, I recently talked about how I hired a virtual assistant and she is saving me probably five or six hours a month in editing, no, a week in editing videos for YouTube. And I live in Des Moines, Iowa. It's not really the happening place for people who are moving in droves. It's not Austin, Texas. It's not Nashville. You know, there, there are some cities that naturally have more people moving into them. So their YouTube channel is going to get more views. They're going to get more leads on it. Des Moines, Iowa is a great place to live, but may not actually be on the top 10 list for the majority of homeowners or people who want to own a home in America. And of course, TikTok is all the rage right now, but again, that's marketing, not prospecting. You have zero control, zero idea of who is going to see that video. I notice more realtors liking my content on TikTok than buyers or sellers, and they're all over the place. They're not necessarily in the city I actually work in. They're not in Des Moines. So you could be making videos and creating content for almost no one in your area to see it. I'd rather have my marketing supplement my prospecting. For example, I do create the YouTube videos and thank God my virtual assistant is with me on the editing because I've been able to do, I've been, I've been pretty good about doing a video every week, not perfect, but pretty good. Recently, I decided that our buyers needed to be more informed before it's time to make an offer and why not use the videos I already have created. Then I can just make new videos for anything that needs supplemented. For example, last week I did a video on earnest money, what it is, what to expect, how you can lose it, how you get it back, pretty standard stuff. So that's posted on YouTube, but (laughs) that's not going to get a lot of views. And I know that because it's not an exciting topic. There's thousands of videos on earnest money from every other realtor on YouTube and I'm lazy and I didn't do any keyword research because I have a different use for this video. So this is me doing my business to my design. I created a canned email in my CRM and wrote it so that it makes sense whether it comes from me or an agent on my team. And anytime we get a new buyer, They're going to get a video every day, maybe every couple of days, whatever the cadence that makes the most sense for them, but they're going to get a video every few days. That's going to teach them about the process of buying about what they can expect when working with my team gone are the days of having even a minute to think about whether or not you want to live in a house, let alone having time to strategize and learn about the offer process. So I want them to do that in advance without feeling rushed. Therefore, we're going to spoon feed it to them. So then that video and the transcript will be added to our blog and it will live there until it no longer makes sense. Maybe we'll get some organic traffic from that, from the SEO, maybe not, but I can also use that link to send the video to people. Here's the link. If you would like to read this instead of watch it. And then if the information becomes outdated or my filming process gets an upgrade, whatever the situation is, I can always redo that video. The same video is used in our first time buyer playlist, which we share with buyers. And so now that marketing that I did is being used in my prospecting. If someone happens upon my channel on one of the videos that has good keyword research and generates views, they're welcome to watch all of the videos on my channel. Maybe they'll watch several and feel like they know me, which might encourage them to reach out. But I realize that it's unlikely I'm going to get a hot buyer lead from a video about boring earnest money. When I send my newsletter out once a month, I usually include a recent video. Now I'm not sure that the earnest money video will be the one I select for my newsletter. I did a video this week on the appreciation over the last five years in various neighborhoods throughout Des Moines. So that's more likely to capture attention of the masses versus what is earnest money because past clients don't necessarily care about what earnest money is. They already know, and they're not in the transaction. So, you know, not every video is going to be good content for my newsletter. It may be the only video I have for my newsletter, at which point then it's the content but you know, I recognize that it's not going to be my most award-winning video ever. My VA also extracts snippets of the video that I can use for Instagram reels or TikTok. I do not have time to be creating original content on all of these platforms. And if you have time to create original content on TikTok in reels in YouTube and Facebook and whatever, then I think you probably have a lot of time for prospecting. So anyway, she helps me simplify and save a lot of time by repurposing the content. She also creates the social media calendar and the graphics while I craft the actual content of the post. I'm a firm believer that your brand voice is too important to your marketing to outsource. I'm a firm believer that your brand voice is too important to your marketing to outsource. Letting someone else do the speaking for you is not good for your brand. So I'm involved in each step of the content creation, whether it's approving the subject, then the graphic or typing out the post copy, but then she schedules it and adds emojis, things that I overlook. I mean, she's totally on top of those things. So if you're going to create content like this for your marketing, I would encourage you to find a way to repurpose it for your prospecting. Your time is too valuable to create something and then let it die a natural death on TikTok. Somehow you have to be able to repurpose that on another platform and hopefully your website, maybe your newsletter, uh, emails to your prospects, but use it for your prospecting. We've done a few episodes on how to stay in touch with your past clients. And that's the first and most important lead pillar to organize and systematize. If it's not easy for you to do, then it's probably not going to get done. So that's why you need systems to make it easy. You need it to be organized and easy to do. You can listen to the magic of equity updates episode. That's my new favorite way of staying in touch with my past clients. And then there was the how to fill your spring sales pipeline episode. What's working now and what's not working was an episode I published in November, but everything that worked then is still working today. You don't have to be a telemarketer to prospect, but putting all your eggs in one marketing basket might prove to be the hard way to building your real estate business. People appreciate a go-getter. They appreciate somebody who is providing a service and giving them value. When you're adding value to somebody's life, they're not going to complain. So don't be afraid to go get your next buyer or seller and don't fall into the trap of only marketing. That's it for this week. Hopefully it's given you some food for thought on how you can best use both marketing and prospecting in your business. I'll talk with you next week.